Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving holiday. If you spent the weekend in a food coma, we'll catch you up on an up and down week that featured one big win and one big loss, at least for the next month. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this week, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, guys. And we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good, good. So the Blue Jackets went 2-2 two and two last week, beating Ottawa on Monday and the hated Dastardly Penguins on Friday. And let's talk about that first. Let's just talk about the good news from last week. Uh, a hat trick for Gustav Nyquist. Good for Goose. Good for the Jackets. I'm going to take credit for this for selling my tickets to Friday's game. <laughs> I, I had, I had, I'll just be honest, I had no faith in the teams suddenly scoring enough to beat the Penguins who scored, who've scored like 10 goals a game, it feels like this season. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel on my fantasy hockey team. So I was like, yes, okay, you know, at least, at least there will be some positives to come out of this night. And then once, uh, I mean, Brewster was watching the game and I ran into Kyle from the CBJ Artillery. And I was in the bathroom when the Jackets scored their first goal, missed the second goal when I was driving home from Roosters, and I just refused to turn the rest of the game on. I watched The Mandalorian instead because I wasn't going to jinx that. I can't believe the Jackets pulled that game out. And it's weird. Like, they they will do that on occasion. I remember the Scott Hartnell game a couple of years ago where they hung, like, seven on them, and he scored three of them, something like that. Like, yeah, it was seven to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know where those come from, especially the way the season has gone, but I'll take it. Well, I feel like... I mean, of course, the Blue Jackets were probably due for a game like that if you want to believe in stuff yeah. like that. But I think also there's always the added intensity with Pittsburgh and they're coming in without Crosby. And Pittsburgh is a good team. They're not exactly great. And even if they were still a great, great team, and I don't count them out, but you know, even if they were crazy good right now without injuries and stuff, uh, they would still be, I guess you could say, due for a bad game, too. So, I don't know. It was nice to see Columbus jazzed up, I guess, after uh, Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was a good game for them. Um, but, of course, well, we'll save the bad news for the next segment. But, yeah, I was I was actually watching that game a little bit. I was with family, so I wasn't able to watch like I normally would. But I was keeping tabs, and I was watching a little bit of the 
second period and third period. So it was good for Gustav Nyquist to get the hat trick and score his first goal in Columbus and all three of them, that is. But uh, yeah, good game on Friday. Yeah, he hasn't really had much of an offense here. Mm-mm, no, no. And that's been the, not, not, the topic not of discussion. Town, at least. Right. Yeah. And well, that's been the topic of discussion about all the vets. And we'll get to that later. But it's nice for Nyquist to break through like that. Nobody broke through on Saturday. And I guess we can go ahead and talk about that because Saturday night against the Islanders, Zach Wierenski left early in that game. He will be out for a month with a sprained AC joint and a lot of other crappy things happened in that game. There was a goal in the first minute and a half and Cam Atkinson got his time reduced and just not not good right after the Penguins win. Yeah, no, not really how you want to uh, see the team, you know, build on the momentum of the big win on Friday night. Obviously, the the, ma- the major concern coming out of Saturday's game is losing Zach Wierenski for a month considering he has been more consistent and more more vital to our offense than right. it feels like half the forwards on this roster. Sure. Yeah. So lose, so losing his production is including him quarterbacking a suddenly clicking power play. That's, that, that's kind of gone, you know, unreported or at least missed, but yeah, he he's been quarterbacking that number one unit on the power play. That's actually been clicking of late and all the way up to like 12th in the league or something. And now we're going to be without uh, Z for a while as he re injured that shoulder that he had surgery on. So it's a, they said it's a sprained AC joint. He'll be out a month, but that's really concerning because now we need someone else to step up and uh, provide offense. It mm-hmm. was nice to see Seth Jones get on the score sheet this week. That was really big. Maybe he can start to discover his game or his offensive game. But yeah, man, losing losing Wierenski really hurts. Yeah, I know that we've been waiting for the veterans to get going offensively. And I'm sure, I mean, I guess at some point that's going to happen. So why... You know, may as well start tomorrow. But um, obviously, we can't just keep waiting. Or I mean, that's kind of the situation that they put themselves in, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, it obviously stinks to, le- to lose Varensky, who was, in, you know, he's had a pretty nice point streak of late, and um, just finding it offensively, and of course on the back end now defensively, Seth Jones will have to have a new partner and kind of paves the way for a guy like Andrew Peak who's going to come up uh make his debut but uh from the Blue Jackets standpoint I mean Saturday night I guess was kind of the microcosm of the whole season as far as bad luck with an injury or getting good enough goaltending and nothing and nothing offensively and really I think at least for me I know going into the year my biggest wild card was always the goaltending and that's been okay for them I mean at least okay if not better than okay whereas the, you know it the goals against is just above the average midway point of the of all the t- they're like 18th or 19th in goals against and you know the special teams has been all right defensively they've been okay and then of course it's the offense so yeah losing Wierenski and the way the Saturday night's game went it was just like okay Elvis kept him in it uh, uh, maybe a first goal maybe he was unsettled a little bit but then he settled in and yeah hopefully offensively they'll find their somehow find their spark tomorrow night against Arizona. I'm glad you mentioned Andrew Peak because they're going to have to figure out that defensive unit. You know, there was talk of Scott Harrington coming in on Tuesday against Arizona, and Adam Clendenning was the odds-on favorite to get called up from the Monsters. But it's Andrew Peak, which I guess at this point, go for it, right? I mean, yep. why not? It literally can't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Marcus Nunavara practiced on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That good could be big. Yeah, that could be big. Obviously, there's two things I want to say about Saturday. The first is. And this might be mean or unfair considering how quickly Wierenski got hurt. But do you have any faith in this team after a win like Friday 
that like, all right, this is it. They're, they got it rolling now. Like, mm. I, I don't. <laughs> no. And that's mean to say because anything could have happened if he were in the game. But I just don't. Although he had, they were scored. I mean, although they did get scored on almost immediately in that game. I just don't. I don't see this team. And I'm not talking about ripping off 16 straight or anything. I just. Yeah, they're, they're, they've been more or less a 500 team, obviously. And even when they had their little role, what, about a week or two ago? Uh, three straight wins and I think it was like points in four out of five or four out of six or you know if they win that Winnipeg game or that Flyers game it looks a little bit better but yeah not really especially losing Wierenski unless guys like Cam Atkinson start scoring or Josh Anderson or if someone just gets on a crazy goal scoring streak or or any goal scoring at all by guys like Atkinson so barring a streak like that to get going uh they're really just treading water i guess at this point well that's without warinsky and that's what they were kind of doing anyway yeah yeah Yeah, it's scary um yeah it is scary the reason i don't have any faith in them mostly is well yeah like you mentioned they're just not scoring and they were going in to play an islanders team that their entire mantra is limiting quality chances and limiting chances entirely there was uh, i want to say it was sean tierney maybe on Twitter today mm-hmm. or on Twitter on Monday posted something about like where shots come from, where the, uh, like, are they quality? You know, are we shooting poorly? What are we? The jackets were firmly in the quadrant of no quality and no finish, which, you, you know, going into that Saturday night game, I didn't, you know, based on in that, that backs up the eye test. The jackets don't really take a lot of high quality shots from, you know, the slot area. And when they do, they can't fin- they can't buy a goal. I don't think they could find the back of the net with a roadmap and Nicholas Cage at this point. <laughs> it's like it's so. No, I didn't really. I, I just don't have any faith in this team on a night to night basis. And sure, we're going to have nights against like the Penguins who have a, you know, very piss poor defensive core. Like, you know, where we're going to be able to, you know, suddenly start netting some goals. But there's there's. Until a lot of people step up and start playing to career norms, I just don't have any faith in this team to do it on a nightly basis. And I, I don't think fans would are wrong for saying that. I, it's just, it's not there. The, the offense is not there. Yeah, and I guess mine was a little unfair because the Islanders have been the best team in hockey over the past several weeks. And I, I think my point still stands. I was with my, my two-year-old niece on Saturday night and we were going to have her watch her first hockey game, her first Blue Jackets game. She doesn't know what's going on. But still, <laughs> sat in front of the TV. Game started. Islanders score a minute and a half in. Wierenski hurts himself. And it did not look good at the time either, especially knowing that it was that shoulder. I thought he was done for the season. And she also pooped Same. her pants within 10 minutes. So it was a really <laughs> good introduction to the Blue Jackets for my adorable niece. And so it starts. But anyway. All right, I want to take a break, but I want to address that veteran scoring issue when we come back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay, so Will, you were talking about the veterans and getting more scoring from them. It's been a theme all season, but Aaron Portsline of The Athletic talked about it today in his 
post on Monday, specifically the veteran time issue. And a lot of uh, a certain subset of fans, not a small subset, have been wondering why guys like Milano and Vincer and Texier don't get the minutes that Atkinson and Anderson and Foligno enjoy given their non-production. Yes, Eric Seeds, we see you. So talked about it. And Seeds, you read the article. You have some thoughts. There is a line in there that says, still Tortorella knows he has no choice but to stick with his veterans. And he said, quote, I have a number of kids in our lineup that we are developing along the way here. It's not like I can pluck that guy and put him up there and say, okay, you're done, Cam. This guy will go there. It just doesn't work that way. Seeds, you have some thoughts. Yeah, um, John Tortorella has a choice, and it's called play the people who are producing. Mm. Let's let's rattle off some let's rattle off some stuff here. Alex Winberg has nine points in 26 games and is averaging 1752 per night. Nick Felino went six weeks without scoring a goal. Now credit to Felino, he has scored three goals in his last three games. That's great. Good for you, Cap. Uh, Josh Anderson has two points in one game this year and has one point in every other game he's played this season. Cam Atkinson is second on this team in minutes per game among forwards and has four goals in 26 games this season on pace for 13. Remember last year he had 41. Guys, Torts has other options here. He can play guys like Sonny Milano. He can play guys like Alex Texier. I'm not even asking him for like Texier to play center here. I just want him to play minutes where he can actually produce. Maybe see some power play time. Play Oliver Bjorkstrand 19 minutes a night instead of Cam Atkinson. When Cam sat down in Saturday's game because he egregiously uh, whiffed on one of the goals, yeah, I, I mean, that's the right thing to do. You need to start, like, I realize Torch is never going to change who he is. He is, he is who he is at this point. But you need to, at some point, look at the guys who are producing, look at the guys who aren't, and recognize... Yeah, these these veterans might not need they they might need a healthy scratch. Remember, Cam was healthy scratched uh, in Torts's has been scratched in Torts's tenure. Josh Anderson's been scratched in Torts's tenure. Um, Alex Winberg basically sat in the playoffs until we were until injuries forced him back in the lineup. It, it it's it's frustrating to continue to see the same guys get the same minutes and the same issues continue to crop up on a nightly basis, and the coaches don't really make any adjustments either to playing time or to strategy, or to deployment, to address it. Even guys like PLD, uh, PLD the other night, PLD is our leading scorer, and he averaged, or he had the third most minutes among centers on the roster. Like, under no circumstances should that ever happen on this hockey team. PLD is your leading goal scorer, your best playmaker, easily your best power forward. He should be playing as much as he can. Like, I'm not saying give him Connor McDavid minutes, but... It's just it's just frustrating to see that the coach is so stubborn that he won't even he, he's giving you a fault. He's saying there isn't a choice when there obviously is. And he's just refusing to acknowledge it. All right. So I have to say this. Sorry for ranting. No, that's good. I, I, I have to say this, though. And you, I don't know. I don't think you mentioned it, but it was on my mind anyway that I wanted to definitely bring up. But while I would definitely be in favor of a healthy scratch of whether it be Atkinson or whatever other forward or player that isn't producing, even if it's just for that one game, I would be all for it. And I have no, I mean, I'm totally for playing the young guys that are producing, getting it done, whatever. Now, Tortorella, the last two games, has diminished 
Atkinson's ice time pretty dramatically. Yeah, so the last two nights, uh, Tortorella has docked Atkinson's ice time. And I would not be surprised, just because he said it in this article by Porcelain and The Athletic, that healthy scratch, if he's basically saying that's not going to get it done or that's not the answer, if he's already started to finally dock ice time and Atkinson still doesn't start to produce now that the season keeps going and they really need guys to step up, like we mentioned with Wierenski going down, I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if a healthy scratch does come up, whether it's sooner or later, Maybe Atkinson starts to uh, respond or guys like Atkinson start to respond. But I, I'm not surprised. Like Seed said, Tortorella is who he is. So I don't expect any kind of crazy development. But if he finally starts to dock ice time from veterans and that doesn't seem to do anything, I don't think he's just going to suddenly give him 20 minutes or whatever. But maybe it's like, all right, I've tried to ease you in or try to ease this in. But now we have to do something like scratching a guy. But unless Atkinson is hurt, the the one last thing I, w- I wanted to bring up was it reminds me I'm doing a thing on Atkinson now for my next article in a couple of weeks. But I was looking into two years ago when he got off to the bad start. He had four goals, basically four goals, just like now through Thanksgiving, I believe. Um, he had the contract stuff going on. He eventually got resigned, you know, during that season. Then he had the broken foot and missed a month. And it was just like December right now, four goals. And uh, in that case, he got hurt, and they were also without a defenseman. So when they lost Wierenski, it reminded me of two years ago all, of, all over again with the four goals and not doing anything offensively. I don't think Atkinson's hurt. I have no clue what his deal is, but he needs to definitely turn it on. So just to play devil's advocate here. I know what you're going to say, and I've, I've, got a, I've, got, I've got something ready to go. Okay. To an outside observer, let's say a, a, a casual fan who does not pay attention to the machinations of ice time and zone starts and that kind of thing, it would seem that benching your vets at this point in the season for for really unproven talent would be an admission of not a lost season yet, but a clear indication that this team is not going where anybody needs it to go, and it's a little bit of giving up. I I can see how the casual fan would think that, and yes, it kind of is that. I would counter with the casual fan, like, for example, my mom doesn't watch every game, but she gets, like, the alerts on her phone, and she, she, you know, she'll text me the morning after the game, can't believe the Jackets lost again, or of course the Jackets lost again. Yeah, um, the casual fan sees that this team is not winning consistently enough to make the playoffs, especially like, you know, the casual fans can see how often we won last year, how many times our Timmy Panarin scored. And even then we still snuck into the playoffs the last two years by like three points combined. Mm -hmm. We are five or we are six points out of the playoffs today with five teams ahead of us. That's not insurmountable, but that's really close to insurmountable just because of the loser point in the NHL, the number of teams ahead of us, and the total lack of goal scoring while we've been mostly a full-strength, full healthy hockey team this season. Mm-hmm. So it's not waving the white flag, but it's kind of a tacit acknowledgement that we're kind of... If they did it for a game or two where they played... Let's say you play the, ne- the next three games we got. We'll play Sonny Milano 15 minutes and we'll play Cam Atkinson 14 or 13. And we'll just try and get Cam going in limited minutes and see if that spurs him on. And if the if the young talent starts producing, 
fine, you know. And then if it do, if it doesn't, um, you can flip them back and just see. Well, clearly nothing's working right now. We're but we're not probably not a playoff team, so we can just kind of roll four lines that way. But isn't that what he tried with the with the Seinfeld lines, and then that stopped working, or did he not stay with it long enough? I don't think argument? anything on this team is working consistently at all mm. for us and enough for us to really be a playoff contender after the all-star break. So, yeah, I'm all for whatever's going to work enough. I mean, we won't know until they try it. And if it does work, keep going, I guess, until it doesn't. But yeah, whether it's Eric Robinson or, you know, whatever young guy that there might be that's working or getting it done or scoring or whatever they can do to kind of get something go. uh inject a shot of confidence or literally scoring whatever can work i'm all for trying it at least and I've, i mean I've, like i said i'm totally cool if they were just, if when they when they brought felino back into the lineup uh following his three game suspension if they decided you know what we're working with this team right now or with this group let's not let's ease it back in i would have been all for that because it's like i of course like seeds also said he scored a few goals lately which is nice but you know whether it's Atkinson or keep harping on that but whatever I mean he's the main guy that comes to mind he's getting paid to be the goal scorer and he's not scoring goals it's like okay whether it's Atkinson or somebody else I'm all for giving it a healthy scratch or docking ice time just to see if something else might get going right it's it's a problem that it does not seem like anybody knows how to solve and it's a bummer this this, like you said you mentioned where this team is in the standings and yeah, it, it really sucks. Like, I didn't pick this team to be a playoff team, but I didn't I didn't figure, you know, like they, like like Portsline mentions in that article. Everyone figured it was going to be, you know, the defense or, you know, can, can the defense play well enough to keep the goaltend to keep Elvis and Corpus Allo from losing too many games for this hockey team? And by and large, they've done that. And the goaltenders after a after a shaky start of the season have kind of like evened out and granted Elvis is still looking for his first win somehow, but mm-hmm. none of us expected this team is not going to be able to score. I mean, we, we, we figured there'd be a step back losing our Timmy Panarin, right? Like mm-hmm. you lose one of the best playmakers in the NHL. You figure there's going to be a step back. I don't think any of us saw this coming. Not even, not even like I, I have been repeatedly called the most, the most pessimistic blue jackets fan on Twitter. And even I didn't see this coming. You know, right. one, last, one last thing I just wanted to add real fast. I think the reason Tor says something like, you know, a healthy scratch isn't going to help, that could just be like something. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure he's going to stick to that, that premise, but I also don't expect him to necessarily say in an article that's in print, yeah, um, a healthy scratch might just be what needs to fix whatever. Because obviously no guy wants to sit. Every guy wants to play through it. And I get to to that point. It's like from a game by game basis, sure, you might be able to get away with that. But obviously, Kim Atkinson's not going to start scoring goals just because he sits out one night. Even though they always talk about the good things that can come with it, even if it's just sugarcoating it. Like, yeah, it's good to be up in the box and see the game from a different vantage point. So I kind of get both sides as to why saying it's not going to help somebody it probably isn't technically going to say like, oh, you sat out that game, so now you're going to start scoring, right? But at the same time. I don't think Tort's going to play his cards either to to the media and say, yeah, that's probably what we should do. I mean, Felino sat three games. It wasn't his choice yeah. or Tort's choice, well, but he sat three games. And look at him now. Three exactly. goals in three games. That's true. I'm not undermining your point. I'm just saying that. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> no, no. I'm yeah. underscoring it. 
And even and like I think of even when Cam was hurt with this broken foot, he said, you know, there were times where being up in the press box helped, you know, yeah. helped him see the game, see what he was missing that he wasn't seeing on video or down on ice level. And I mean, there could be something to that. It could be just hockey cliche garbage, but you, I don't know. Clear, clearly, the same things that we've tried aren't working with this team. So I'm willing to try anything and everything to try and spur this team to not even greatness, just night to night consistency at this point. Yeah. Maybe a guy like Cam just needs a day off just to like literally get his mind off of it and just reset. As he talked about two years ago, he said he needed, he needed a reset and he went on a scoring binge. So, yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned the goalies. Corpus Allo did get a shutout on Monday against Ottawa and Elvis is still looking for his first win in the NHL, but he did win in North America last week, beating Charlotte. So maybe Ooh. the goaltending is coming around. There was, like we talked about Sean Tierney, he did talk about the goaltending and how it's actually starting to hold up now for Columbus. So, you know, the power play, we were talking about that nonstop and it came to life for a little bit and then nobody was talking about the power play. Perhaps Alex Winberg scores, Cam Atkinson scores, Josh Anderson figures it out and we're not talking about this anymore. I mean, anything can happen. It's just... It hasn't. Can I just make one point about the goaltending? Please. Yeah. So I went to Monday night's shootout or shutout against uh, the Ottawa Senators. And pregame, I spent the my buddy Pete and I spent the entire time at the bar before before the game talking about how this team's never going to shut anyone out this season. <laughs> and then they promptly did it that night. <laughs> It seems so like want, you're the, just, you're the source of a lot sh- of this team's problems. Seeds. I clearly must be. But yeah, I, I found that really entertaining that we just spent a solid 10 minutes talking about how this team's not going to shut anyone out all year and then <laughs> they do it that night. Still waiting for Elvis, though. Elvis, we're, we're, all, we're all in on Elvis. We all want Elvis to succeed. Still waiting. He will. When do you think he starts next? When are we, when are we on the road next? Saturday at Florida. That'd be funny. There you go. That'd be funny. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That'd be hilarious mm. if he beat Sergei Bobrovsky you know for his what? first start. I, I, I... It, it's it's probably more likely that you would throw Elvis against Florida than against the Capitals. But of course, if Elvis were to go into Washington and they won that game with him behind in the net, that would totally bring back my memories of Steve Mason going into DC some time ago and shutting them out. And it would just be too perfect. But I would not expect Elvis to get a starting at, at Washington. That would just be crazy. But if he did if he did start a game against the Caps on the road and they won the game and he somehow got a shutout, that would be a la Steve Mason some time ago, back when Columbus limped into D.C. and, yeah, came away. <laughs> that would be incredible. This week, the Jackets host Arizona on Tuesday, New York on Friday, and play at Florida on Saturday, Artemi Panarin will be back at Nationwide Arena on Thursday night. What do we think of that, boys? Should be fun. What do you th- What do you think the reception is? Oh, he's gonna get booed. He's gonna get booed, but he absolutely shouldn't. And I, anyone who boos him, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not gonna. After every, he didn't. He didn't. But the thing is, he didn't like. He left on no bad terms. He he had the right to do what he did. He was traded here. He thought he was drafted here. He didn't spend his whole career growing up in Columbus. And how many, how many magical moments? I mean, he beat he beat Washington in overtime. He helped lead us into he helped lead us into the uh, second round of the playoffs where we'd never been before. 
if you boo him, you're wrong. I'm sorry. He probably shouldn't get booed. I mean, like you said, he left on his own terms. He did really. He will, but you yeah. shouldn't. I, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I did see a Twitter comment from somebody recently about Panarin and talking about Bobrovsky and Panarin, and they were bringing up Panarin in the second half last season. I guess they thought he was uh, not dogging it per se, but moping or I don't know. It's stuff like that where I'm sure in people's minds they're going to have their own maybe preconceived or notion or whatever about what they think about how things went down at times. But overall, Panarin was a great player for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He set the scoring mark, right, uh, or points mark in his mm-hmm. season. He did yep. everything he literally could do. Like you said, he uh, yep. had the playoff win against the Caps. So, I mean, he did obviously very well to under to put it mildly. <laughs> Sure. And then Saturday, there's a chance Bobrovsky might not even play, given that he was benched on Saturday against Nashville in favor of Chris Drager, who pitched a shutout. Yeah. Yeah, against the Reds. So who can say that'll be some some intrigue later in the week? So that'll be fun. One way, one way or the other, that would be fun. Either either he doesn't play and we get to talk about Steve Mason not starting against the Flyers or starting against the, the Blue Jackets, or he does play and we get to watch Whatever the hell happens then. Right. We talked about Andrew Peake and Elvis Merzlikens' first win in the AHL. You can find out more with the State of the Monsters at JacketsCanon.com. All right, well, we are just about out of time, but let's go around for final thoughts. Seeds. Yeah, I've got a final thought. Um, Guys, the Dayton Flyers are back. Dayton basketball, if you haven't seen them, you might have heard about it. They went into the Maui, uh, the Maui Invitational last week. They finished second in that tournament, losing in overtime to number four, Kansas. And Dayton has jumped from unranked all the way up to 19th. They are five and one this season, uh, led by redshirt sophomore Obi Toppin, who is going to be an NBA lottery pick. He's currently averaging 24 points and 12 rebounds a game. Just won his second Atlantic 10 player of the year uh, or player of the week award. So if you guys get a chance to see Dayton um, anywhere on your TV, they they are hosting St. Mary's on Sunday on ESPNU. For those of you who get that, give them a give them a look because they're a lot of fun this year. Uh, they're a top 25 team in Ken in the Ken Palm ratings, and uh, they're currently uh, one of the two co-favorites to win the Atlantic 10 this year. So give the Dayton Flyers a look. They're a lot of fun. Is, they're they're a fun squad that likes to shoot the ball a lot, likes to likes to shoot from three. It's a great it's a great time to be a be a fan of Ohio basketball. So give the Dayton Flyers a look. The only Flyers we will endorse on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of keep up with the college theme, um, Virginia finally won the Coastal in football. They finally beat Virginia Tech. Any like a 15 year drought. So they get to go up against Ryan's uh, Clemson Tigers for the ACC championship, which I don't expect Virginia to come out on the bright side of. But they did win nine games this year, which is huge, considering they usually win about two games a year, or at least they had been. And it's been a good year, or good, I guess, last couple of years for Virginia sports. So kind of cool. Nice. Nice. That'll be fun. I'm going to stick with the college theme and talk about the NCAA volleyball tournament that begins this week. Wright State is in it for the first time ever. So if you're looking for a team that is, you know, not local, but maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you went there. They're in the tournament for the first time. Tournament starts on Thursday, I believe. It is fun. And Dayton's in it. There you go, Seeds. Dayton plays Marquette on the 6th. So go Flyers. We'll just go all in on the Flyers. So it'll be fun. Check that out. It's, It's a very fun time for college sports as you're getting... Basketball starting, football, 
well, football's not close to ending, but it, we're on the final month, I guess. And you got postseason action all over the place. So, and we got through an entire podcast. And we after would the go ahead. Oh, I was about I was about to shout it out. I I was late. I I thought you might. I was about to. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say um, we would be we would be remiss as a Columbus <laughs> podcast if we didn't mention Jim Harbaugh is now the only coach in the history of the OSU Michigan rivalry to go 0 and 5 to start uh, their coaching tenure. So. Congratulations to the Ohio State Buckeyes on beating Michigan. Congratulations to them on winning the Big Ten East and going to the Big Ten Championship game where I'm sure they will dominate Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Playoff time. There it is. We, I, we, we almost did it. We almost made it through. But thank you, Seeds. I aim to please. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out Angela's album 430. You can stream it all over and you can find out more at angelaperley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. And as always, we welcome your comments, questions. Tweet at us at CBJ Cannon. And check out all of our work on jacketscannon.com. From all of us at the Cannon, thank you for listening and we will see you next week. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.